Welcome in to DNVR Fantasy Live, a new show from DNVR that I, Henry Chisholm, am really excited about. Uh, you may notice that Andre Simone is sitting next to me. The two of us are going to be hosting this show, and it'll be produced by Guy Casavan, who's sitting over at the uh, bar, at the DNVR bar. Yeah. That's him waving. Uh, we're really excited about this show, which is presented by DraftKings, I should say. And uh, before yeah. we jump into today's show, which is mostly going to be talking about running backs, uh, we wanted to tell you about what it is that we're doing with this show. And obviously what we're going to do is teach you how to win your fantasy football league. But we're going to do that by having a whole bunch of fun. This show is going to be very interactive. We're going to be uh, including a whole bunch of different ways for you guys to do fun things like control a fantasy football team of your own and compete yeah. against us. That's something we're really excited about. And uh, that's just kind of the start. We're kind of just throwing this out there and uh, letting it grow. Yeah, for sure. And um, there's just, you know, a lot of us uh, play fantasy football, talk about fantasy football. You know a lot of football. You talk to people who know about football. A lot of people cover football at this company. So uh, just felt like a, a good time to dig into it. And we really want to get into these running backs, which I think is fair to say... That's the end-all, be-all position, especially in redraft leagues. We'll get into all sorts of caveats with your dynasties, your keepers. Mm -hmm. But come on. It's all about the running back. It's all about the running back the last couple of years. And it's all about the running back because quarterbacks and wide receivers, there's more than your average 10 to 12 team league can even handle. So you're almost by accident you're going to draft good competent productive wide receivers and quarterbacks running backs there might be like 15 startable running backs in fantasy football so get it right it's get two of those 15 you're winning a league it's true that's that's the strategy and we're going to dig in a lot deeper into you know i think that that's kind of the generally accepted strategy that dre and guy and i all agree upon but uh there are different ways you can approach things that seems to be what's generally considered by everybody who pays attention to fantasy football to be the strategy this year because there is such a clear separation. You know, yeah. when you look at the, uh, like, ESPN draft board, if you're on there doing, like, mock drafts or if you're on there doing, like, actual drafts for your fantasy league, you'll see that I think of the top 15 players, 13 of them, 12 of them, at the very minimum, are running backs, and then there's this gap. That's when you start to see some quarterbacks and tight ends and running backs. And it takes a while before you start to get into the second tier of running backs. Yeah. And that's why we wanted to start today's show talking about running backs because uh, that really is what it's all about. Yeah, there's no more interesting uh, fantasy topic, I think, than how do you want to start your team and what running backs do you want to pick going into this obviously pretty unusual NFL season with everything that's gone on. It is, it is going to be a different season, and yeah. uh, I'm excited to talk about what that Dude. means fantasy-wise, like whether we should be pushing for larger IR lists or like COVID lists, that sort of stuff. But uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Where we have to start is at the top of the draft, and as we've been saying, it starts with the running backs, and uh, I'll just throw this out there. Dre, who is your running back number one? I mean, I think... Let's not make this difficult. Come on. Yeah, let's <laughs> not make this difficult. I mean, the only thing, right, guy, is that I, I just want to get into this. Basically, standard leagues have become PPR leagues at this point with more of a pass-happy NFL. So if this was already true that McCaffrey was your RB1, with most standard leagues being PPR leagues, I mean, it's not even close. And I think, 
I think McCaffrey could underperform based off his standards last year. He could underperform by 100 points, though, and he would still be lapping the field. He would Thank still you, yeah. be, like, not even close. So, yeah, it's McCaffrey across the board, and obviously ADP, it's not even close. Can I throw out a conspiracy theory real quick, though? Oh, I'll uh, go for oh. it. You know, I, I, I have this theory. It's something I've talked with both of you guys. You have to get a sound drop for conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of conspiracy theories like on this show. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, veteran quarterbacks know how to use their running backs. They know when a play is breaking down how much time they have to get the ball into the hands of a playmaker, mm -hmm. and typically that last check down is a running back. That's why you see Tom Brady and the Patriots having so much success with passing to the running right, backs and, right. and so many other veteran quarterbacks. You know, we're going to dig into Austin Eckler later, losing Phillip Rivers. What yeah, does that mean? Right. What if Cam leaving, a short pass master, somebody who doesn't get nearly enough credit for how smart he is, for how accurate he is on these short passes, and how smart he typically is with the football, he's out. And now it's Teddy Bridgewater, a much less experienced quarterback coming in. Are you worried about Christian McCaffrey suffering in the receiving game because of that? Not so much for a couple reasons. A, Teddy's going to keep busting the short passes, right? Like, Teddy's kind of good at that, too. The other thing is their new offensive coordinator coming from LSU, LSU love to operate out of an empty backfield. And there's no better running back in all of football, college or pros, than Christian McCaffrey to take him out the backfield, motion him, and use him as a receiver. Other thing the Panthers are trying to do to try and save Christian because they're playing a long-term game, mm -hmm. right? They just paid him big money. They're not trying to, like, overuse their star running back, give him too many touches, and have him burn out in a couple years. They're going to try and transition him into receiver. And as long as I can still keep drafting McCaffrey and using him as a running back, but he's almost like half running back, half wide receiver, that's huge in fantasy. That's, like, the advantage of all advantages. Real so. Quick. Real quick, yeah. uh, Cam Newton played two games last season. Yeah, that's really awesome. Really only one and a half because <laughs> he got injured that's in that true. second game. And uh, Chris McCaffrey still had a record-setting season. So, Was that a devil's advocate attempt? I mostly thought we needed to fight. We, we needed to get it oh, out yeah. of our system. No, no. With McCaffrey, right. we're good. We're good. ADP is too. Things get weird, though, at number two. <sighs> yeah. This is where up. we can start to differ. I'm not sure that we actually did. Uh, we'll see in a second. No, we didn't. Oh, we did. Well, we differed from the from ADP. ADP yeah. That's something. From the That's ADP. Something. I think that uh, for me, at Man, least, dude. I was torn between Saquon and Zeke. I wound up obviously taking Zeke. Dre, you had some different thoughts here. Were, was Zeke a clear number two to you, or were there other guys you considered? Yeah, Zeke's a clear number two to me just because even in a year where like Dak Prescott led the league in uh, passing yards and what have you, he wasn't necessarily utilized in the passing game as much as you'd really like as a fantasy owner for Zeke because he can be a he's another guy who could catch 80 balls in a season and be like a 400 point fantasy producer like McCaffrey but even if he doesn't do that I think there's just a pretty safe like floor to him to be a top six running back no matter what and I don't feel that with Saquon or anyone else in this second tier in fact, I almost feel like Elliott's in a tier of his own. McCaffrey's in a tier of his own. And then the next group is going to be paired together pretty closely. Mm. Yeah, Do I we... mean, I personally, I think that, uh, you know, the Cowboys, one of the best offenses in football right now. It's talent-wise for sure. Yeah, so you have, you have the talent. You have the opportunity. 
Zeke is, I think, one of what? He, I think he's the only player to finish in the top six for three of the last six seasons. Ooh. He's got consistency. He's never finished as the number one RB. But, I mean, we were having this discussion earlier. You're not drafting a guy this high because he has to finish as the number one, right? You're drafting safety. You're drafting consistency. And that's what you're getting in Zeke Elliott. What, I mean, mm. personally, I like the talent that Saquon Barkley has, but I don't think you have the same amount of safety in Barkley as you do in Zeke Elliott. Exactly. And that comes back to the one comment we saw earlier, which was about you better get it right in the first round. Yeah. And that, to me, is all I'm doing. I'm trying to handicap these running backs and establish who's going to give me more guarantees. Who's a safer projection? Because I'm not necessarily going to win my league with my first round pick or even my second round pick, but I can sure lose it. I don't want to be in that spot where I've been in years past where by week four, I'm contemplating having a bench my first rounder. And now it's like, man, what do I do? He has no trade value. I can't even start him. Like all of a sudden we're handicapped majorly. We're talking earlier about how this is going to be a unique season, right? Um, We already know that Zeke has been diagnosed with COVID and gotten Mm -hmm. through it. We, you know, the science around whether or not you can get the disease a second time, still a little bit fuzzy, but the general consensus is it's very unlikely to get it again if you've gotten it once. So you're drafting a guy who's already gotten it, who you have supreme confidence that he's, you know, his chances of getting again are extremely low. They're a lot lower than any other guy, right? Right. And he's your first round pick. You're not going to have to deal with him going on the COVID IR and you're pretty sure he's going to play all 16. I'm going to double check, but the number of games he's missed to injury are also incredibly low compared to Saquon Barkley, who the talent, again, the talent is there for Barkley. He's one of the most exciting running backs to watch. 100%. But he was missing games last season. And if he's missing games, you can look at the end of the season. You can look at the point total and be like, okay, this is how many points he scored over the season. That's wonderful. But you're playing on a weekly basis. You have to beat your opponent. And if you don't have your first-round pick there – Yep. Every single week, yep. that makes your life a lot more difficult. Not only that, you have to save a spot on your bench or on your eye or whatever it is in order to keep yep. him, right? Exactly. So it's going to make things more complicated. So yeah, and I buy that I'm offense a lot more. That's a big separator for me with Saquon is I, I love the talent in that Cowboys offense. That's how uh, Guy introduced the subject of Zeke is the talent in that offense. Saquon, I'm not convinced by Jason Garrett as the OC. I'm not convinced by Daniel Jones as the quarterback, yeah, I, I like guys like Evan Ingram and Sterling uh, Shepard and stuff, but too much uncertainty in that offense. So, and maybe now's the time to have that Saquon conversation and go to who are your guys' third running backs? Because I think now is where we really start to differ, not just with ADP, but from each other. Look at that. Yeah, obviously, Guy and I both have Saquon as the number three guy. Dre has Kamara there. Um, ADP has Elliott behind Barkley. Yep. I, I think that Barkley deserves a spot here because of the reason you just said. You know, if we're looking for consistency, we're looking for guys who can produce, sure, he missed games. At the same time, we know that in a very bad offense, he was still able to put up points. And now if that offense comes along with Daniel Jones, if that like receiver combination starts to pan out, you know, you have Evan Ingram, you have guys like Sterling Shepard, you know, they have some pieces that if it does work, it could turn into something pretty cool there in New York. I wouldn't necessarily bet on it, no. but if it happens, that just means that Saquon's stock is going even higher. Yeah. To me, Saquon Barkley is that guy that 
you can watch all the tape you want. You can game plan as much as you want. You know exactly what he's going to do, and you still can't stop him. He is just an animal running that ball. He's like, I mean, we'll get to him later, but Derrick Henry, where it doesn't matter how you game plan around him, he's going to get those yards. He's going to get those touchdowns. He's the first option in the red zone. That's what you want. Like, I downgraded yeah. him slightly because of his injury risk. Downgrade him a little bit because of that Giants offense, which, you know, actually has a chance to improve this year because the only way for them to go is up, and he was still producing in a bad offense. But he's still just a physical freak. I mean, you see he's a physical you see the videos freak. of him squatting. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean. His thighs are massive. And he's been doing that forever. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just. He's just such an exciting guy to watch. He's not, like, he's not that tall, but he still just bowls through guys. And he's so exciting to watch, man. And he has that pass-catching ability, which you're not going to see in some of the other running backs we'll cover a little bit later. These kind of, uh, you know, these rankings will be dependent on whether or not you're playing in standard, half-point PPR, full-point PPR, things yeah. like that. Yeah. I personally base my rankings on half-point PPR because you're going in between the full-point and the standard. Um, but guys will move around a little bit based on that. But at the same time, even if you're playing in standard, you still want a guy who can catch passes. Because they're going to get more yards, oh, they're going to get more totally. touches on the ball, and they're going to get more opportunities to score. So even if you're not getting that one point for each reception or a half point for yeah. each reception, having a guy that's still involved in the passing game is huge for scoring opportunity. Having, I mean, it's an extra 500 yards in a season, and guys just aren't, outside of Derrick Henry basically, guys just aren't being given like 300 carries a year. So you got to get your touches some other way, and that's yep. in the receiving game. That to me... The impact in the receiving game, obviously it was major factors in what we were saying about McCaffrey and Zeke, but to me it defines the next like seven running backs. That tier is all defined by guys in the receiving game. Yep. I agree with everything you've said except for that there's some red zone efficiency that should go up with Saquon and be better. I think that offense might really fall off, though, without Pat Shermer, with more tape on Daniel Jones. Saquon was really kind of underwhelming fantasy-wise last year. He ended up as the 10th best running back in fantasy, which is fine. He was right around Alvin Kamara, who I have ranked as the my third running back. The issue to me, though, is that he really, you look at his game logs, great games the first three, great games the last three. And I think that sticks in people's mm -hmm. minds because you've just come off a draft mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, man. Recency bias. Yeah. Right. And then there's recency bias from the end. And as you said, the talent's unbelievable. You see all the highlights. I think you're kind of playing, paying the sticker price value when, like, Alvin Kamara's in a much better offense. Alvin Kamara, to me, has a more clear path to touchdowns to touches in the passing game, to maybe increasing his touches as a true runner as well. Saquon instead, I don't know. I mean, I worry that he might kind of flounder and be stuck, not so much where he was last year, but not improve enough production-wise to warrant a top-five selection. The other concern is, and this doesn't matter for fantasy at all, He ha his one struggle is in pass protection. Yeah. And that makes it hard for coaches to keep him on the field on third down because it's basically a dead giveaway to your defense that, okay, Saquon's on the field. We're going to pass it to him because he can't pass protect. It was like when mm -hmm. Royce Freeman was in the game. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly what's coming to your tip yeah. in your hands. Totally. I understand that. And that limits your touches and opportunities with the new coaching staff. I don't know. 
there's just enough uncertainty with coaches, quarterback, his inability to totally produce at his talent level, which was kind of a knock on him coming out of college too, to where I'm just I'm pumping the brakes a little on Saquon. I just want to go back real quick. You said that you know he was he finished as the tenth best fantasy running back last year behind Alvin Kamara. Uh, he missed three games. So, again, yeah, no, go I back mean, to that. You know, you're good. taking a full season's log right yeah. there. But if you go on a per-game basis, he still had – he was at least top five. I mean, it, I couldn't calculate it right now. But if you averaged out what he was getting in all these other games – and I'm sitting here looking at it. I see 30-point games. I see 40-point games. I see games in the high 20s. I mean, he did have – let me see. One, two, three, four games below 10 points. That's it. Four of his 13 games were below 10 points. The others, like, again, you're seeing 20s, you're seeing 30s, you're seeing a 40-point game in there as well. I know, but that's 40%. Yeah, but still, he missed three mm. games. I mean... No, I hear you, I hear you, but 40% of the time under double-digit points? Yeah. So that he's he's a boomer bust, you know, so... and, and I don't know if I, I go that far. Eh, when we get down to Dalvin Cook, we'll, on we'll a game, talk real <laughs> boomer bust. On a game-by-game <laughs> game basis, I think he's boomer bust. And you can say almost the same things about Kamara... The quarterback and offense is just what has me more comforted there. Yeah. Here's a question before we move on from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that Drew Brees is going to fall off eventually. Without getting into whether that's going to happen this season or not, what happens to Alvin Kamara when Drew Brees falls off? Does does that offense start to, to fall apart without him? The, is that something that you should be worried about as an Alvin Kamara owner? I would be much more concerned with Michael Thomas. Or yeah. Emmanuel Sanders and the ability to push the ball downfield. Kamara, to me, feels like the perfect safety blanket for a quarterback who's losing that arm strength, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about timing and quick dump off and pick our you know, mismatches and what have you. Um, Real quick, before we move, move too far here, you were saying boomer bust before. Going back to our number two pick there, mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott and why we're taking him over Barkley. He only has one game below 10 points. Uh, that was see. 8.3. But... He doesn't. He only has one game above thirty, and that's a thirty-one point game. The rest are twenties and teens. So you're getting okay. consistency. Consistency. You know what you're getting. But Interesting. To your credit, Barkley is a little bit more boomer bust. And see, if you had maybe a safer approach, you could approach your draft to where you're like, I'm gonna roll the dice a bit on Camara or on Saquon, someone like that. And then I'm going to back it up by going a little safer down the line with my next two running backs and what have you, you know. And then, I mean, things get real here, boys. Yeah, we've already talked about Alvin Kamara, of course. But (laughs) Dre brings a new name into the mix with Austin Eckler, the Colorado kid, cracking the top five in at number four. Why is he so high on your list, Dre? I don't know why he's so low on everyone else's list (laughs) because ADP-wise... Well, ADP wise guy, do you have it handy? What's he what's he getting drafted at? Like as the twentieth running back? This guy was the fourth best running back in PPR leagues. And I mean, yes, he won't have ADP is going at thirteen right now, which thirteen? That's like I almost slightly higher. Hank has him slightly lower. We'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to it. Go on. But that's almost third round, right? For a guy uh, who was no, a no, no, top no, no, no. five running back the way last year, are, the, way, the way that running backs are going off the board this year, that's definitely second round. Yeah. Even if you play in a 10-team league, which are less common than 12, that's still comfortably in the second round. So, see, like, talking about Eckler versus Saquon, for example, yeah. similar uncertainty with the quarterback. Don't have uncertainty scheme-wise because he's produced in this scheme so much so 
that they just paid him a nice new contract. Last year, without Melvin Gordon, he averaged 20 touches and 26.8 fantasy football points per game. How that was Gordon that? back, he still produced too. That's not a ton. It's like a six to eight game sample okay. size. And before then, he was producing as well. That's yeah. the thing to me. He's very safe, but with him being the true running back one in that system, I think there's some upside for more than the 300 plus points he had last year. I, I was telling Hank earlier, I almost see his like baseline as being what he did last year, you know? And we've talked... You should make your point about Philip Rivers before I, I pull an M&M and just make your counterpoint. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of made half the point earlier. I really do worry about running backs who are yeah. losing veteran quarterbacks, especially yeah. as receivers. But, I mean, even going back to, like, think about Peyton Manning in his last year with the Broncos. The running game was so good. Even when we were, like, talking about how maybe Brock Osweiler should take those steps, we all knew that Peyton Manning was going to make the right decisions. Have the running back go to the right hole. Like, yeah. get everything all set up that way. Yeah. And on top of that, obviously, in the passing game, knowing when to say, hey, you're going out into the flat here. Go wait for a ball. It, it isn't just knowing, like, okay, internal clock is ticking. Haven't found anything. Check it down. Right. It really is a lot of... X's and O's, where do you have the mismatches? And with a guy like Austin Eckler, I don't want to hate on him because he's obviously been very productive. Sure, sure. But has he been a successful runner because of the threat of him as a receiver? And now once you start running him into loaded boxes that a lot of the time Melvin Gordon was running into, does he wear down? Is he getting worse matchups because he's getting put into worse situations by his quarterback? You know, there are enough questions there for me to not look at him as a guy who is just a sure thing. Right. Was, you don't feel as safe as I do because yep. of him. Here's what I'll say in support of Austin Eckler, because I do have him above ADP, not nearly as high as you have. Yeah. Him, yeah. But I will support your argument. The, so, obviously, Tyrod Taylor comes in at quarterback. Yeah. After that, I mean, the other weapons that the uh, Chargers have right now, I'm just looking at their depth chart. They got Keenan Allen, obviously, who – let me double-check his age real quick. But he's getting up there, and we know that he's an injury risk. Yeah. Even beyond that, he isn't a guy that really is known for scoring. He's, what, tied for 24th among mm -hmm. wide receivers for – uh, touchdowns last year, which was six. I mean, it's nothing impressive. So yep. once you get down to that red zone, you're going to be looking Austin Eckler's way, not necessarily Keenan Allen's way. Um, after that, I mean, look, we've got Mike Williams, who is already battling a shoulder sprain. He just picked that up. Yep. So he's going into the season with an injury. <laughs> after that, I mean, come on. Hunter got, Henry coming off an injury. Jalen <laughs> Guyton, KJ Hill, Joe Reed, Jason yeah. Moore, Tyron yeah. Johnson. Raise your hand if you've heard of any of those guys <laughs> it's true so when you're bringing in a new quarterback your safety valve it's not going to be one of those guys no. No. it's going to be austin eckler and tyrod no. taylor is not a guy who's known for passing it deep right he does have some likes so he can keep the defense a little bit more honest in the box but at the same time he's going to be checking it down more often than not he's not philip rivers who's just going to start hucking it that's where keen allen was making his bread and butter yeah. was off of philip rivers being so uh, what's the opposite of risk averse? I mean, pro risk. He's Conservative. Risky, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's the opposite. Of oh, right, right, right. Yeah, well, Rivers. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's the ultimate gambler. Yeah, with that super awkward. But last year, he he really struggled under pressure and would kind of panic dump off to Eckler, yeah. and Eckler would be like dead to rights, have to win a one on one to get anything. Right. 
and he did that. I think in a more constructive is, offense, he'll get similar touches, but they might be yeah. more effective. Tyrod Taylor's going to be doing the same thing, man. It's virtually exactly. the same offensive line, and he doesn't like to throw deep because he's risk-averse. So he's going to be throwing those dump-offs to Austin Eckler, who's the safety valve. He's the consistency in this team. And the amount of money that they just paid to Austin Eckler that they would not give to Melvin Gordon – should speak volumes. Follow the money. Follow the money. Should speak volumes. That means yes. they are going to use him. They didn't yeah, just give him that right. money to, to what? To stand right. there and pass block? No. He is exactly. going to be catching the ball. And again, even if you're playing in a standard league versus PPR, that's far more scoring opportunities, even if you're not getting points mm -hmm. for those catches. So I do agree that he should be higher than ADP. Four is a bit of a stretch. But <laughs> I will support you in saying that Austin Eckler should be higher than he's going right now so i love it i think if he had more highlights on sports center like saquon does just based off <laughs> name fair. recognition that's fair yeah i mean if you played in a bigger city like la right maybe you get more recognition <laughs> hey they have like oh, two yeah. fans the guy okay we have more people setting up this set than they have fans <laughs> <laughs> so i don't want to hear it yeah, man should pull up some highlights of those stands being filled with yeah, you know exactly. broncos and chiefs <laughs> fans yeah. so really the only outlier is me Really? Yeah. So yeah. Saquon out of my top four, Eckler in it. I think yep. we've said our piece about Kamara. I mean, yeah. I do have some concerns about Drew Brees. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He hasn't fully fallen off yet, but I still believe that after, you know, who is it? Taysom Hill. Yeah. I think he still well, has Jameis. some ability. Yeah. Jameis. Jameis Winston, everything else. I think Kamara still has value. I think his riskiness lies a little bit more in his own injury concerns. Yeah. Um, which he had some of last year, but at the same time, when he's healthy, like you talk about, maybe there's like five running backs that have the potential to be our like the number one running back. Yeah. He's one of them. So there are some injury concerns, but at the same time, that upside is just too, too much to ignore. Yeah. Yep. Alvin's got that Saquon to him where he can go off for 45, yeah. but that offense more effective, more touches. They just score more points. So I think his worst games aren't, won't be as bad. But Honestly, that's, though, that is one of the best offenses in football right now, though. Yeah, even if Drew Brees exactly regresses a little bit, dude. And I'm all about in fantasy. I'm all about buying into offenses that are mm -hmm. gonna go off. Yep. I want like multiple guys from big offenses. We'll get and to that. Eckler, Kamara, Saquon—they're all kind of the same guy to me. So you have them like, you know, they. Three like, A, B, and C right. and they're on tier together. So you they're have like, like gadget running yeah. backs. Yeah. yeah. Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott, which I kind of agree with you on that. And then after that, you've got the three of them, which. Problem is, Saquon, I have more concerns because of the stuff I've mentioned. So he will not be my next on the list. Yeah. Well, let's All get right. to that then. Yeah. Let's look at these number fives. Wow. So ADP has Dalvin oh, Cook man. number five. Dre and I both have Dalvin Cook at number Let's five. Let's go, guy. Let's and go. Guy is bringing up the Kenyon here. Drake thing. This has been what we've been talking about for a while now, that this was going to be one of the big conversations. Yeah. We knew Saquon was going to be a bit touchy. We knew that Kenyon Drake was going to be uh, a bit touchy. Before we get into Dalvin Cook, why, guy? Why is why is Kenyon Drake a top five running back? <laughs> well, let me start off by saying that I don't trust Dalvin Cook one iota. We're talking about a guy, a guy who has numerous injuries in his history. He's got holdout issues. And you've got a very good backup behind him who the Vikings don't need mm -hmm. him to play in order to get their yardage. You're higher on Madison than I am, though, in the mm -hmm. Gary Kubiak offense. I I agree that he, he will owning, be productive. You're talking about owning an offense? Yeah. Madison has to be, I would say, one of the top three handcuffs. We'll get to that later. But I still think 
Dalvin Cook, when you mix in injury history with holdout risks, what we've seen with Le'Veon Bell, with Melvin Gordon, all these different guys, like uh, who is it? Devontae Freeman, who's just straight up out of a job right now. Mm-hmm. The running back position, we're not even talking about fantasy right now. We're talking about the league as a whole. The value of the running back position to the NFL right now is among the lowest of any position. Oh, totally. It is the most replaceable. If they know they have a guy in Madison and they don't want to pay Dalvin Cook, they owe Kirk Cousins, oh, my God, fully guaranteed 90 mil. This is the last year of his contract, right? Where yeah, three, three years, years 30 yeah, mil guaranteed. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, like they are really pushing up against that cap. They had to let a couple guys go on defense. I think Xavier Rhodes is one of them. Oh, which, sure. His play fell off. So let's be honest. I mean, he traded Stefan Stefan Diggs, though. I mean, this is yeah. definitely an mm-hmm. offense that has had to yeah, go through had some to make rejuvenation in order to keep this team alive and under that cap ceiling. So if Dalvin Cook is going to sit there and threaten the team with holding out based on money, oh man, it's not going to go well for him. It, just based on the I position mean, he plays and what they have behind him, they don't need him to be successful. That's my point. He has skill, and I can concern. appreciate that. But hold out mixed with injury concern i don't want any part of it and when we're talking again go back to the earlier conversation about your first round pick should be about safety yeah later on is when you start to get risky but in the first round dalvin cook is a guy that i'm fully avoiding if he was there in like the second round sure i'd probably take a flyer on him but where he is his adp and what i'd have to spend to get him i don't want anything to do with that haven't even gotten to drake yet but that's the cook conversation to me though uh Dalvin Cook is falling to five on my board because of those injury risks. Right, And, like, he's in training camp. He's going to play. That's the difference between a guy like Melvin Gordon who didn't even go to camp, Le'Veon Bell who went through all that stuff. But I I think that the holdout thing doesn't really concern me. The injuries definitely do. They have to. Injuries concern me in a major way. But – when he plays, my goodness, is that a fantastic football player. And I will he's so fast. He's so shifty. He can catch a football. He can do everything you want. He's in a high-powered offense that has a good defense. When you have a good defense, you're going to be running the football a lot. There is enough touches for all three of those running backs to see the field and me still be, still be pretty happy, at least, having Dalvin Cook in the top five. I will acknowledge his ceiling, though. Uh, I know I just went on a very long diatribe. But yeah. let me just, yep, pretty know, high. Oh, on this one right here. <laughs> Uh, to add to the uncertainty, his, his ceiling is very high. There, there is something to be said about a guy, you know, we could consider this a contract year, right? Because he's yeah. holding out and he's depending on that. So there's four different things to consider with that. Uh, two of them go into his own mentality with the holdout, right? Is he going to play harder because it's a contract year and he has something to prove and he no. wants to earn a new yeah. contract? Or is he going to play safer because he doesn't want to hurt himself and he feels like he has already proven himself and he already deserves a bigger contract? Right. And then you look at the coaching perspective of that. Are they going to be, you know, a little bit more careful with him on the field because, you know, they want to get other guys involved and they're not sure how he's going to perform if he is disgruntled? Or are they just going to say, well, screw it. This is the last year we have him. We're not really intending to, you know, sign him to a longer contract. We don't care if he gets hurt. So we're yep. just going to use this guy as much as possible. We're not going to throw caution to the wind here, or we are going to throw caution to the wind. We're not going to be cautious is what I meant to say. And uh, we're just going to run the wheels off of him because this is the last season yeah. we have with him, and we can just run this dude into the ground and give That's him as many options as possible. That's the scenario I want. So That's his what I'm ceiling, seeing. Sure. If that happens, his ceiling is like he's one of the guys. It could be that RB1 because yeah. of the talent mm-hmm. and because right. of the opportunity and because of that offense and because their defense. Again, let's go back to their defense. Losing pieces and guys just underperforming. 
you might be seeing them running a faster, more higher-powered offense because their defense isn't keeping them in games, and they need to, they feel the need to, you know, get ahead or come from behind. Mm-hmm. You're going to be seeing him in more plays, but that uncertainty again in the first round. I don't know if that's something that I'm willing to play. I hear you on a the injuries. Five pick for, but know, you know maybe. that now guy's big on this. I mean, guy was like mm-hmm. trying to trade out of the six pick in a draft <laughs> earlier today. <laughs> trying. I mean, he did this not, is ongoing. This is ongoing. <laughs> he did not want to be stuck in a really league don't. with uh, Dalvin Cook as his first pick. And I get the risk. I'm just I've just been following him for so long from his time at FSU, where it was like a stud freshman just gets injured at the end of that season and has had some injury-ridden seasons in the NFL. Finally got on track last year, though, and, I mean, he was amazing. This is where we really differ, though, is I'm buying into schemes and talent within a scheme. Guys, I was raised on the Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan offense. I I basically, for the first 10 years (laughs) of my life, thought that that offense could just produce 1,000-yard runners like nobody's business. And if a runner was really good, they could be extraordinary. Dalvin Cook is really good in this offense that does start and end with the running game. He's Especially got Kubiak, extra yeah. value with Gary Kubiak. And I think they're all in win now mode. Yeah. It's Kirk Cousins last year. Gary Zimmerman's been on the um, hot seat for a while. Kubiak, how much longer is he at it? They're all in on this year. I think they're trying to run the wheels off of Cook. But, but going into that, that just increases Madison. injury risk, right? I'm looking right now. Yeah. Three seasons yeah, he's sure, been, sure, sure. been in the NFL. Sure. His first season, four games. Second season, 10 games. Third season, 14 games. That was last year. He's never played a full season, and he's played less than half of the games that he's been in the, in the NFL. I see a trend, though. Yeah, we're trending up, baby. But if they're going to play him that much, if they're going to run the wheels off him, doesn't that yeah, you worry about the risk durability. of his injury? Yeah, I know. He's this just so good, though. the prime candidate for injury risk. And again, so it's not even like when we go back to this season's going to be different because of COVID, right? It's not just that. The fact that there haven't been training camps and everything else, I mean, you can look at that as, okay, rookies. I think this applies more to wide receivers than it does to running backs. But – when you look at rookies and not having a chance to really like sit down, get involved with a new offense and learn a new playbook and everything else like that, there's something to be said for that. But at the same time, these veterans, mm. they don't have a time to warm up their bodies and acclimate to contact and everything else. There are a lot of medical you know, experts within the NFL that are talking about how the incidence of soft tissue injuries is going to be a lot higher this season than in seasons prior. So if you already have a guy who has a history of soft tissue injuries and you're adding in a season where guys are going to be more prone to it, there's a higher risk of it. These are the type of guys that I just want to stay away from, especially with the number five pick. So does Kenyon Drake's current foot injury concern you at it all doesn't. for a week? No, <laughs> yeah, let's, His unfortunately, we can get to Drake now. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to gaslight you guy and be like, oh, Kenyon Drake has missed blank games in his career. He's no. missed two games his whole career. Um, and this is where we should have the Kenyon Drake conversation. And for me, it comes back to offenses. And mm. I'm not a believer in the Cliff Kingsbury offense. Agreed. Agreed. As Agreed. far as the running game goes. Now, I know, and tr- producer guy and Kale have told me to no end. <laughs> Last year's Cardinals offense was predicated on the run, extremely productive fantasy-wise, uh, in part because of how they used the running backs in the passing game. That will keep on translating. I'm not sure, so sure, though, the th- 
being able to produce another thousand yard rusher that easily will continue just because that's not how that offense was built at Texas Tech where they were a top they were the 48th all the way back to college running game this. once at his time in Texas Tech. They were in the 90s every other season. I'm just so, getting bodied out of here. Right well, now. Just, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have college stats. I'm sorry. I'm I got not, NFL stats and not college stats. I'm all right, tell us about saying. the NFL stats then, Guy. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's talk about owning an offense, right? Last season, the Cardinals, if you had the running back that they started each week, you would have had the RB3. In all of fantasy. Which is insane that, and that says is, so much about much David Johnson, too. Not just about that, but it also says something about their offensive line and about the scheme that they're running. It says and something about the scheme and the RPOs with Kyler. Yeah. He's so dangerous. Okay, I haven't even got It works as a oh reverse God, play Murray. action, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. The RPO it for does. the passing game works as a reverse play action. Mm-hmm. That's where in. it's really dynamic. On mm-hmm. top of, So you have Kyler Murray, who's so dynamic with his legs. He's getting. He's going into a sophomore season with Kling's Kiff. Cliff Kingsbury, oh, yeah. where he's had more time to acclimate to this new system. They worked out the kinks. He made a lot of mistakes last year. If you watch the tape, he was making some dumb throws because he was trying to play the hero. Yeah, for but sure. I think that going into that sophomore season, he's the type of guy that he's going to learn from those things, and Cliff Kingsbury is going to adjust to that. You add in the fact that they... Okay, when you say that they got rid of David Johnson... It might be a little disingenuous to say that they got rid of him and now it's, you know, Kenyon Drake's backfield because they got rid of him. They got rid of him for DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Which, like, who wouldn't make that trade? So that was an insane trade that fell in their lap. Uh, but at the same time, David Johnson, I mean, he was the focal point of that offense for how many years, and now he's gone. So this is Kenyon Drake's backfield mostly. I mean, there is Chase Edmonds. But at the same time, I still think that, I mean, when you look at down the stretch – Ken and Drake, they gave him all the opportunities in the world. They gave him a transition tag. When we go back to, you know, talking about where the money goes with Austin Eckler, like where, they are, where the money's going with Ken and Drake, if they're giving it to him, if they're giving him that transition tag, that means they have every intention of seeing what he can do and whether or not they will then offer him a long-term contract. Yeah. This isn't like the mm-hmm. end of his current contract where they're like, man, we could move on. We got another guy behind him. They didn't draft anyone else. This is a transition tag, so they can find out exactly what they have. So if he does produce, they can then sign him long-term. And then you have DeAndre Hopkins, who is going to stretch the field. You still have Larry Fitzgerald. You still have Christian Kirk, who's a deep threat. And you have Kyler Murray, who can run. And this keeps defenses honest and gives Kenyon Drake more opportunities. He can catch passes. So he's got that PPR value. And even if he doesn't you know, give you those PPR points because you're in standard, he still has more scoring opportunities. On top of that, he can still produce on his own, man. He's a slippery guy. He's, he's quick. Sl- he wins he one-on-ones. Yep. That's where he's dynamic. He can run and guys he's got, over. He's smart with the ball. He's got breakaways. His turnovers are so low, too. I mean, here's the difference to me, though. Package. And I, 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 I'm just buying into the Cardinals' offense as a whole. I think that Kyler Murray is going to make that, that next step. That I can buy. I think Kyler Murray is going to make that next step, and I want to be there for it. I want to be a part of it. Now, we should <laughs> mention you were also not – you were playing the board so hard you didn't want to draft Kenyon Drake with okay. your – Dalvin Cook selection. I'm going to let Henry make his point. <laughs> okay. And then we'll go okay. into this. This is a larger strategy for drafting in general and not about my feelings as Kenyon Drake is running back. I like I th- it. I think Dre had a lot of good things about, like, just the the big problem in using a first-round draft pick in a in an offense that's run by a coach who runs the air raid. Yeah. And who, who knows what exactly this offense will look like at the NFL level, mm-hmm. but that's what we know is he is an air raid coach. Right. That means you're going to be throwing right. the ball basically every time. And, you know, 
without getting too deep into the Pac-12 stuff, you know, you've seen guys like Max Borgie be successful in those sorts of schemes. And, and there's a chance that it all works out. But the reason for me that I am scared of Kenyon Drake is that I really think that Eno Benjamin is about to be Arizona's Philip Lindsay. I think that that guy going through <laughs> ASU, we've seen what he can do. I don't think Chase Edmonds is the number two back. I think Eno Benjamin's about to walk in there and show him what he's about Let's to go, do. Man. I mean, where, where were we saying he's going to get drafted on yeah, the draft like podcast? like late third or early I know. fourth. The fact that he slipped to the Cardinals in the seventh round is still blowing my mind. I think you could make a claim that he is a... I mean, top five running back in the draft is a stretch, but I don't see Kenyon Drake as a true number one here. I think that this still is more of a running back by committee and a passing heavy offense. You know, I, I don't want to say that I'm super low on Kenyon Drake. I think I think he's a fringe first rounder, as you guys will see when you see the rest of my yeah, rankings, yeah. but I'm just not quite that high on him, even though he does flash and like the talent and the potential is very obvious. Um, His potential was there in Miami. And because of the black hole that is Adam Gase, he was just held back. And that is an awful offensive line. He was held back. I will say I misspoke earlier. Uh, I said that they didn't go out and draft someone else. I forgot they drafted, you know, Benjamin. Seventh, Seventh round. Yeah, that, Seventh round. Yeah, that makes me a little nervous. But at the same time, I think that that transition tag negates the fact that they picked up, you know, Benjamin. Like you said, seventh round, that's more of a, a safety blanket thing and less of a statement. If you talk about, like, We'll go into this a little bit later, but Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon, right? A.J. Dillon, he was a second-round pick, and right. that's after taking Bryce Love. And this is an offense that, really, Aaron Jones was petitioning for wide receivers, and they went out and took a running back. That's a concern. Picking up Eno Benjamin in the seventh and giving the guy transition tag ahead of him, a little bit less concerned about that. So, Philip Lindsay undrafted yeah. that's who this guy's about to be, and everybody's going to see it. The hometown kid going to the Cardinals is about to tear it up. Who's number six? Number six. Let's put it up. That sample size on Kenya Drake scares you, but I, I he's a good I, running back. I buy a lot of the arguments. Yeah, I, I just wonder if he produces the way he did in the last eight games at Arizona. You're absolutely well, right. And you said earlier about the area offense. That means they're going to pass more. I don't. Uh, they will pass slightly more, but I think that also means they're running a faster paced offense, which is the focal point of that. And less generate. about the actual passing itself when you have more plays being run there are more opportunities to score there's more opportunities to get touches you have your slower offenses you have your faster offenses i'd rather be a part of a faster offense so even if they're passing more that also generates more space for running back to produce within that even if they are on the whole passing the ball more so i think an air right offense doesn't necessarily drive down the value of a running back it actually picks it up it adds to it I'm I'm skeptical. We've never seen it before. I'm, all right, that's I don't the thing. Him. We've never seen it before. But ouch. ADP has Derrick Henry as the number six back. Jeez. Uh, Dre and I agree that Aaron Jones is the number six back. Guy has Clyde edwards elaire at yes. number six. Um, tell us about tell us about Aaron Jones, Dre. Aaron Jones again love to buy into a zone block in offense that's predicated on a run first. Uh, running game, yes, they drafted A.J. Dillon at the end of the second round, and Aaron Jones's contract um, doesn't have much left. But That's I think a, in a win-now um, situation in Green Bay, they're going to maximize Aaron Jones, who has huge versatility and utility both as a runner and a pass catcher. Um, and it, this is another guy who, if you took away 
and a big argument against Aaron Jones is going to be the touchdown efficiency last year was an, at an all-time high. If you were to cut his 16 touchdowns from a year ago in half, he's still you're still looking at a top six running back who's right there with the Dalvin Cooks and Nick Chubbs of the world. Um, and, you know, right in the high 200. So I think Aaron Jones is particularly safe. Um, and again, he fits that mold. Is he super sexy? Am I going to be ecstatic I got Aaron Jones in round one? No, but I feel good about where I can go with the, the rest of the draft. Two yep. questions for you, because mm. you already addressed touchdown regression. How do you feel about A.J. Dillon? I never liked him. I never liked him. I think he's, um, he's not going to have the impact in the passing game. He's a north-south runner who needs to be developed. I'm not sure he has the IQ for a zone blocking. I think Lafleur is maybe getting too cute and saw a Derrick Henry-type physical specimen and is hoping to reproduce that. While does that still affect the amount of touches that Aaron Jones is going to get? It could. It could, especially in the red zone, which would be my biggest concern. But again, compared to the other top running backs, Aaron Jones wasn't getting nearly as large of a red zone share touches as the top guys on our list, but he still produced more touchdowns than all of them. So, and while that efficiency could decrease, I still think he's proven that when he gets his touches in the red zone, he does good things with it. So yeah, and Look, I was just never an A.J. Dillon believer, so it's not going to change my mind a ton. That's that's a horse I need to keep riding. You know, I can't just change uh, change midstream here on A.J. Dillon. You know, Matt LaFleur took over that team for McCarthy before last season, and he wants to do things very differently. He's a pretty old-school coach. He wants to run a West Coast offense that's very reliant on the running game. It's not the type of West Coast offense that's super innovative like you see with you know, the Chiefs or the 49ers, it's very much, I think it's very similar to the Kubiak-style offense we've been talking about. Yes, it is. Aaron Jones has proven he can be effective in that offense. We've seen it before. And what they really want to do is keep Aaron Rodgers moving, get him out of the pocket, Mm -hmm. you know, run those play-action bootlegs, Mm -hmm. and that all just starts with the running game, and it starts with Aaron Jones. Last year, it was a toss-up. Was it going to be Aaron Jones or Jonathan Williams who was the guy? Aaron Jones was much, much better than Blew Jamal Williams was. It, it, it wasn't even close. He is now the true number one. That's why they're bringing in an A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is now the next up to try to stop Aaron Jones from being the guy in Green Bay. I don't think he's capable of doing it, at least at least yeah. at this point in his career. Even if he's not capable of doing it, they're still going to give him the opportunity to do it, and that's a problem. Right. Yeah. It's all going to come down to how many of the touches is he still able to warrant And I think 49 receptions, I think that could improve enough to make up for the lack of reception or for the decreased uh, rushing opportunities. And going back to our conversation earlier about, you know, boomer bust type of guys. Oh, he's safe, right? You think he's a boomer bust? (laughs) I'm looking at his numbers from last season. I see a 4.9, a 3.9, a 3.8, a 7.1, and 8.0. So I got one, two, three, four, five games below 10. And a couple of those are threes and a four that is that's crazy i mean i see a 49 in here that's pretty awesome i see a 30 i see a 25 a 41 
for the second most productive running back in all of fantasy football. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you're still getting those points. I mean, that 41 and that 49. Oh, yeah. You're winning your weeks with those. That's great. But at the same time, dude, a 3.9 and a 3.8, that's. They were still implementing the offense. They were still splitting his time with Jamal Williams. But this is part of my problem with him is less about his skill. I think he has the skill. And I could go back and look at his durability. He definitely has the durability. Yeah. I mean, he played all 16 last year. Yeah. I'm more concerned about Matt LaFleur and that front this office up. and yep. what the hell oh is going goodness. on with that team. But you're Aaron bought in Rogers, on Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers wants out of that team. Everyone is bought in on Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. The front office is putting all the chips in on Cliff Kingsbury and letting him do his thing. But Matt LaFleur, it doesn't look like he actually knows what he's doing. It looks like he's going five different directions. And Aaron Rodgers yeah, yeah. No, is I mean, an MVP Super Bowl winning quarterback yeah. who all of a sudden looks like he wants out. And they didn't, yeah, yeah. They didn't I mean, draft him support. I think they I'm screwed concerned. up this offseason in Green Bay. I just think LaFleur is such a meat and potatoes guy. He's going to have to stick to what works for him, which is Aaron Jones, because yep. they added nothing else of yeah. value. Yeah. Yep. But, I, I mean, I see your point. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then Hilaire, man. Yeah. I was going to say, we haven't even gotten to Hilaire yet. We got, uh, let's see here, Jordan Hamilton. Waiting to get to this comment right here. Yeah. I mean, I guess... We'll see you later. I think we got a, a couple of you guys with, or no, I think it's just Hank with Hilaire in there. But I'm willing to put my uh, my name on the line here. What little it means uh, for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I mean, you got a guy who there really is no backup behind him. They went yeah. out, they yeah. took him yeah. with their first round pick, and he was the first running back off the board. So they had the choice of every running back, and they took Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You have. Patrick Mahomes on the record saying he wants Clyde Edwards Hilaire as his running back, and he is the voice of that franchise right now because he is look at the contract they just gave him. He runs that place, man. Whatever he yeah, wants, yeah. he gets. He wants Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he's got him. Joe Burrow, Heisman winning quarterback. Love Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I don't think he'd really ever, you know, trash talk a teammate, but at the same time he's going to bat for him. You got Andy Reid and his history. I don't think I need to go into that. His, He's never drafted of, a running back in the first round before, right. and this and is a guy who's had Westbrook of, and McCoy, exactly. and yeah. and how they produce yeah. within those offenses. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't think it's rocket science to pick up that offense either. That offense is so high powered; they run so many plays, they get in the red zone so often. Even if he had a backup, you'd still want him, and now he doesn't have a backup, and mm-hmm. that offense is his. Yeah, I'm all it's, in on that, man. it's uh, I mean, you're assuming you're you're kind of counting on him being in his first year producing like 90 percent of what Kareem Hunt was to warrant a ranking like that. Right. Which seems totally plausible. I mean, when you drafted um, Kareem Hunt in what was it, 2017, if you drafted mm-hmm. him in the second round, he finishes, I think, the RB four. Yeah. Yeah. That paid off big time. Yeah. And this is the same. It's the same coach It's the same offense. Everything else is in place. Different quarterback. Okay. A better quarterback. No, You're only I mean, a better quarterback. Totally, totally. And it's a better uh, offense. But we haven't seen Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and that's why I can't put him up this high because it's we just unknown. haven't seen him actually do it. It's you know, we were so high on him. We had him, like, in that high. running back, converse, like, number one conversation yeah, yeah. months and months and months before yeah. he was the – yeah. But right. We were talking about him watching the national championship. I mean, yeah. he's, oh, he's yeah. a tough running back. He – uh He's not boomer bust. He's not going to break a ton of big ones, but man, he's going to churn out extra yards. And he's it, look the only re- the the reason he would warrant to be in that is that he's got value as a receiver. Very mm-hmm. good. I mean, I mentioned LSU empty backfield. 
It was a huge part of that, man. His versatility in the... So I can see it. I know um, I was talking about there's some high roller fantasy leagues I've seen where he's getting drafted right around where you have him. Lewis and Riddick said he'd take him as the number one overall over Christian McCaffrey, which... It, I mean, come know, on. That's, that's a bad decision. That's, that's terrible. Like, there are tons of mouths to feed, though, in that offense. Exactly. And, and you know, he's, he's coming yeah. from LSU. Any running back was going to look good there. As much as I do love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he was put in a, in a situation where he was going to succeed. I cannot touch a rookie running back in the first round. I just can't do it. And I don't care that there isn't anybody like taking the reps behind him. If he isn't good, which could be the case, we've seen first-round running backs who looked like they were locks, much more than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks like a lock, just bust. And if he's not able to run the football, they're going to find somebody else to put in there. Yeah. And if he can't run the football and he's still in there, then what are you really getting out of it anyway? I, I think that he could be a really valuable pick. And if you want to take a risk, that could pay off. It's just not something I'm willing to do in the first round. Again, yeah. with that risk statement, uh, I think I'm I looking right now, <laughs> his injury history. He has a hamstring strain ahead of the game of Oklahoma, and he still managed to play that game. That's the only injury he's had. No, he's durable. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, all the, all they're all durable until they get injured. That's sure. exactly that's right. That's what happens. When you, ha you only have the data you have right now to go off it. Otherwise, no, it's I mean, conjecture, that's, right? That's true. That's if that's true. what I got to that's look true. at, I know that the offense is his. And arguably the best offense in the NFL. You're talking about wanting yes. to own an yes. offense. That's the offense to own. Yes. And you got a guy who doesn't really have an injury history and was handpicked by that team. And you have a coach who has a history of utilizing the running oh, back. Checks in, off a lot of boxes on the in on the ground and in the air. It's just the unknowns. I know. Yeah, yeah. You I, and I, I guy are unknowns, old enough to like, remember people drafting yeah. Monty Ball in first rounds of fantasy oh, yeah. leagues, right? Oh, yeah. But I also remember Trent Richardson, and he he lived up to that hype too. So. He did. He <laughs> exactly. did. Trent Richardson, great example of when things do work out for yes. rookie running. There backs. is some risk That's involved, but I think that. All that risk is mitigated by all the other circumstances around that that are working in his favor. So I'm willing to acknowledge the risk, but I still think that the ceiling is just so high right there. Yeah. And if you're in Dynasty, oh, my God. To me, Drake and Hilaire are the top two running backs in my next tier. Just yeah. because I have a few more, a little more uncertainty, a little more questions. Should but we go ahead and take a look at it? Yeah, let's. There we go. All right. So there's wow. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. As of ADP at seven, uh, guys, Dalvin Cook, we've talked about. I have Josh Jacobs. I can't believe I'm the highest on Josh Jacobs. Dre has Derrick Henry. Can you believe that I'm higher than you on Josh Jacobs? I'm the highest on Derrick Henry? I know. This is what some weird stuff. What are you guys doing? This is some weird stuff. I'm not far behind you. Don't worry about it. I don't know. I um, mean, it's... <laughs> this is where Dalvin Cook falls for me, but I'll let you guys go on this one. I oh. think Derrick Henry, like, that offense to me really got built around him with Ryan Tannehill there, and all of a sudden a vertical passing game threat really opened things up for him. But even prior to Tannehill, he was on an absolute tear. Yep. If you just go off his last 20 regular season games, this doesn't include the playoffs. Just his last 20 regular season games, mm -hmm. all last season in the Final Four where he really broke out in 2018, he's been averaging 106 yards Per game, yeah, that's on pace to have a two thousand, a, a seventeen hundred yard season. Yep, I just I think that offense is still built to support him, 
And I think like he's going to keep putting up monster numbers and being like top three in rushing yards in the league, and that's going to be enough to warrant a top seven pick here. Yeah. And if they ever start using him in the passing game, it's over. <laughs> he's going to threaten C-Mac for these like 400 fantasy points. Now, in dynasties, I'm skeptical because I think we're like – 20 games away from this all falling apart. Oh, they and just paid the man. They gave him a big contract. Yeah. They just they paid the man. To. That doesn't mean and they were going, right. Going, the, yeah, but going back to our like running back being one of the more undervalued right. positions, when they put the money on the line like that, that says a lot. Yeah, the, the concern is they drafted Darrington Evans, so my chances <sighs> of him being used more in the passing game are... Look, I picked yep. up Darrington Evans in one of my leagues, and I'm somewhat hopeful about that. Yeah, but but he's your receiving time, back. Henry, yeah. I'm only I'm only holding Darrington Evans in the event that Derrick Henry goes down because his usage is so high. Yeah. He doesn't have that injury history, but like you said, it only takes one, yep. right? And when you're getting run that much, I mean, you're just up in the probability yeah. of it. So I have Darrington yeah. Evans because they just focus on the run so much. But Derrick Henry to. is that guy that, like, you look at the tape, you know exactly what he's going to do. You still cannot stop him. You so why are you so low yard. on him, man? Why is he not higher uh, on your because list? Because of PPR value. Because they don't utilize yeah. him in the passing game. Yeah. To and me. I, think, I mean, it's like you watch that tape, though. You watch that 99-yard run. Yeah. There were guys standing in front of him the whole time. That was like Marshawn Lynch on the Beastquake. And he's just ragdolling them, throwing them like children, man. It's uh. like watching those highlight clips of the mascots that are uh, going up against the Little League teams. You've seen mm -hmm. those? And they're just throwing them around. It was like that, man. And he's just shoving guys to the ground. He does what he wants, man. And when he wants to score, he will score. And he's there for me. I just I think that the lack of the passing, it just gives me pause. And it's not even – I mean, if you're in standard, I would value him a little bit higher. But at the same time, it's one of those things where if you're not involved in the passing game, you're just getting less opportunity to score. Yeah. So even if you're not getting the points for the pass catches – I mean, I still would rather have a guy that's catching passes. That's Here, here's why I – and honestly, this might be wrong. Maybe I should have had him higher, especially hearing those numbers that you threw out there. To me, he's a playoff back. Like, he's somebody yeah, – yeah, he, almost like C.J. Anderson is a playoff back. <laughs> like, when you get there, you feed him the rock and let him carry you until you don't need him to carry you anymore. Totally. That's what Derrick Henry is, and that will come into play late in the season when it comes yeah. to the playoffs yeah. and fantasy. No, November but, and December, this guy plays exactly. his best. Yeah. But to me, like, that's what he is. Yeah. And he kind of has built his name on, like, the late season playoffs, that kind of stuff, which in terms of football is exactly the guy that you want to be. In terms of fantasy, I'm a little bit skeptical. And but what still. makes me even more skeptical, though, is that they lost their best offensive lineman. Conklin left. You want to you fight me on that one? They still had a very good offensive line around him. Yeah. And I think the oh, yeah. team still knows what it is, and the coach still knows what they're doing. And when we talk about uncertainty with COVID and training programs and everything else like that, they know exactly what they're doing and they know what they're going to get out of it. So that's your consistency. Uh, but does it work as well when you're missing one of the pieces and he's not getting that head of steam? Isn't Taylor Luan their best offensive lineman? And he missed yeah. the first four he's games. Vocal, but I don't know yeah. who's their best. And you Isaiah make, uh, Wilson as their starting right tackle. Major concerns as a pass protector, that's right? That's true. But, but running, as yep. a run blocker. Yep. He's mammoth. He's going to see. And I'll say this about Derrick Henry. Last year in a full PPR scoring, fifth highest scoring back. And that was in front of guys like Austin Eckler or behind guys like Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, who you both think might drop off. Even in a full PPR. I don't know, guys. I don't know.
Well, I mean, when we talk about regressions, I think this is, you know, with the scoring and everything else, there's going to be some regression. I don't think there's enough PPR work to make up for that regression. Yeah. Because yeah, when you look yeah. at Aaron Jones, you yeah. can you can say touchdowns regressed and he's still number six. I get that because of how involved he right. is with all the different aspects of the offense. But Derrick Henry, that's not there. I so still need 95% of last year's production, basically. Sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, but again, you're buying him at his ceiling, right? So yes. I do like him, and I do think that you know that's as consistent as they get. But I don't know. It's just I, I don't think that – I think that you saw his ceiling, and I don't think he can go much higher than that. So right, and so I would I'm gambling on him bit. sustaining. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love your buying him at his ceiling. I love yeah. that. That needs to be a, I, a new I, saying. I, fully, on the I, I want to recognize that what he did was amazing. And again, he's one of those guys that you love to watch, man, especially when he takes down the Patriots, especially when he's just running over the oh, Jags. Yeah. He's Dude. so entertaining to watch. He's a great, like, real life player. But I think in fantasy, there's just a little bit of pause. I mean, if you're getting him, we're talking about what, RB7 right now? So if you're getting him, like, early second round because other people let him drop, you're stoked on that. I mean, but if it's the seventh pick, I'd prefer a guy with a little bit more upside like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but that's just Or like Josh Jacobs, yeah. who is Clyde Edwards Hilaire a year upside. from now. A year from now. Mad Josh upside. Jacobs is I mean, he's a legit running back and he's yes, he is a raider. Let's get that out of the way. I really hope he doesn't succeed. Not because <laughs> like I don't like him personally and I don't want him to get hurt or any of that, but just because he's a raider. Uh, throw all those caveats out there. <laughs> That is a really good football player in an offense that's built, again, specifically for him. We're talking about Matt LaFleur is a guy who wants to run a pretty old-school West Coast ground-and-pound type game. I think that's what John Gruden wants to do, too. You know, you have all these speedy guys on the outside trying to get them downfield, open things up. You have that going for you. But also, that just opens everything up for a running back like Josh Jacobs who just wants to make moves on guys with a little bit of space once he gets to the second level. That's what's going to happen. You have him running through the A-gaps outside of Rodney Hudson. You can do that all day and win a lot of yeah. games. Hate the Raiders. Hope they don't do well. But Josh Jacobs is going to go off this year. I'm about to do some things that I promised myself I would never do, and that's say positive things about Raiders. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on Josh Jacobs. I only have him slightly lower than this. I think I'm. Mm. It's either eight or nine. Same. Um, to he's me, he's just slightly behind this. He's but tenth, right. and he's the last in this tier. But yeah, again, more or less, I don't see too much of a difference. I have him right there with Saquon. Yeah. Um, you know, misses three games last year. He still runs for a thousand a hundred yards. Mm -hmm. What's intriguing about Jacobs is you are far from buying him at his ceiling. He only had 20 receptions last year. If you remember coming out of Alabama, that's what got people most excited was his ability to to catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. Derek Carr, a bit of a check down Charlie. I think he'll only be more involved in the passing game. Yeah, I think uh, relatively I safe almost, yet. right? John Gruden. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, he is that you yeah. know 90s style. Oh, yeah. Just rough and tough run that football but at the same time with their car liking to check down the football i mean josh jacobs as much as i really really hate to admit it he's got a lot of value and i mean you have to take these things with a grain of salt but john gruden came out and said that they're going to try and get him as involved as possible uh, he was what i, I want to say he finished as the number two in voting for rookie of the year last year after kyler murray right I that, believe said, yeah. that says something based on the fact that quarterback is so highly valued that Josh Jacobs was that close to winning the rookie of the year as a running back. 
He had a little bit of durability concerns. I think he missed maybe two or three games. Three. Three. So, I mean, you take that into account, but at the same time, he's young. I, I don't know if you can really, you know, count that against him as something that's, you know, if you had a consistent history of it, like something like a Dalvin Cook, then sure, yeah. you can really start to factor that in. But with a guy that, you know, he came in as a rookie and was just getting, he was getting run into the ground. I mean, they know what they have in him. They're excited to use it. I think that's as far as you really need to go, and he's involved in the passing game. Yep. And we really, just got to see it for a full season yeah, from him, really. It depends on how you approach fantasy, but uh, he's a really likable guy as well, which I don't find myself often saying about Raiders. But the Raiders <laughs> right now, as a Broncos fan, I gotta, like, I'm wearing all this gear right now. I might have to take it off, but like the guys on their team, I mean, you look at Derek Carr, you look at Darren Waller, you look at Josh Jacobs, man, like, oh, my no. God. No? no, no, dude. No. I'm watching the Chiefs no. over here with Tyree Kill, with Travis Kelsey, with the ex-Chief and Kareem Hunt, and like I cannot imagine hating three players more than the Chiefs, and they're like they're very close to overtaking the Raiders right there on my top spot for most hated team. It took me a few days to uh, learn to hate Brian Edwards. You're just furious. But I got Googling there, and that was the last spot. <laughs> that was it. That yeah. was it. He it's once all the called Raiders. his mom the B-word. No, oh, but if she Raiders was a Raider, if, if she was a Raider, though, dude, what are yeah. you going to do? Okay, before we get to number eight, we do need to give a quick shout-out to DraftKings Sportsbook. They're the ones who make all of this possible. Big time. Um, and they also make my life just a whole lot better. I haven't cool. been able to pay attention to the baseball game or the <laughs> hockey game that's going down yeah, or going on down there. but. Check. Let's see oh, how please my, don't. I don't need to, like, have my mood killed before the end of this. How many free bets right have now. you gotten from them, man? Oh, yeah. so many. And so many. like, free money. Endless. I know. So much free money. I, I got the uh, 50, Damn. let's see. Yeah, $54 free bet nice. after that Laker game. Threw that on a parlay with yeah. the uh, Nuggets to win the night, the Avs to win tomorrow. And if that hits, half of it already has. I'll have another 155 bucks in my bank account. So really can't complain about and that. Look, man, we've been out of sports for like three months. And now like DraftKings with Sportsbook, like you're talking about sports, like games that you wouldn't normally watch, like Lakers, Blazers. I wouldn't normally watch that. But when you got money on the line, it yep. gives oh, you another reason to watch another game. And it's you got fantastic. sports going all day. Yeah. Why not put some money on it, man? Yeah, Dre's been watching table tennis and making some cash on it. <laughs> exactly. It's like being it made in Korean <laughs> baseball interesting, right? It's like Come fantasy on. football. You're invested in, uh, you know, you're invested in the games for other reasons. Yeah, exactly. It's, it makes even baseball interesting. So it sure does. Can't say much more about that. And you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR to claim your share of $100 million. Uh, it is to giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code DMVR to get your share of $100 million in prizes. Only at DraftKings. Must be 20 or older. Colorado only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Nailed it. Nailed All right. It. What we have here at number eight? Yeah, I think it's mostly going to be guys we've basically talked about at this point. Oh, yeah. man. Joe Chubb, Mixon and, and Nick Chubb make it onto the board. Yes, Let's start with Joe Derek, Mixon. Yeah, that's where Derek Henry comes in for me. But, uh, I mean, Mixon, go for it, Henry. Okay. So, yeah, Joe Mixon. He's put up the numbers before. Yep. We know he's a talented back. Yep. He's very diverse in his skill set. He can catch some passes. He has the speed. He has a lot more power than I realized when I went back and watched him. Oh, yeah. You don't watch much of the Bengals, totally. typically, if you totally. live my life. Because why would you? Now that I'm a fantasy football guy, that's the job, though. And when I did run back, like I said, he was very impressive. I think that 
I have my concerns about what this offense is going to be. Yep. Um, I, I like a lot of the pieces. I think A.J. Green still has enough in the tank to, to be a contributing factor in making this offense uh, in the top two-thirds of the NFL. Even though that's a pretty low bar, I think that that's a pretty fair goal for what this team is. Plus, you have the upside that if Joe Burrow comes in and tears it up, then boom. That just makes everything all that much better. Joe Mixon alone, though, I think he does enough to warrant a top 10 pick here. Man, Mixon's just tough because, again, Zach Taylor offense. It's a Sean McVay uh, disciple, so you should like that for running backs. Um, but, man, his season wasn't great last year. They've basically got no offseason for a rookie quarterback. I just have a hard time seeing him really improving on what he was last year, which was RB13 for 225 fantasy points, you know. So that would be my only concern there okay. with Mixon. And you guys see I have Saquon at this point. Um, I'll admit, in my, top, in my top eight, the only guy I think is maybe less safe than Saquon is Dalvin Cook for all the things that uh, Guy has mentioned. But I think Cook just has higher upside than just about anyone else. And we've talked about that outside yep. of um, McCaffrey. So that was kind of the, the value proposition there was a risk-reward thing. But yeah, Barkley's kind of in that tier with all these other guys. I just see him as slightly less safe than your Aaron Joneses and Derrick Henrys and Austin Ecklers and Alvin Kamaras, but that's why he lands there. Yeah, Mixon, more in the top 15 for me then. He's more in that tier with the Kenyon Drakes, with the yeah, Hilaires, yeah. with the Chris Carsons of the world, you know, just because I'm having a hard time buying that offense right now. But the talent's there, man. Talent's undeniable. I think that's fair, and I see this pretty much the same way with, to me, Josh Jacobs at number seven kind of being a cutoff before you get into those guys like yeah, Joe Mixon, yeah. like you know Clyde Edwards-Alaire we've talked about, Nick Chubba we've talked mm -hmm. about, but also guys like Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, even Chris Carson, Austin Eckley. So there's, there's so many guys who I have in that tier. Mixon came out on top to me because uh, – you there's know, upside. Exactly. Yeah. Just because of the upside, because, you know, the, the complaints I've already yeah. shared about Hilaire. Um, we'll get into Nick Chubb in a second. Uh, I, I just I think that this is the spot where you say, you know what, this is a good back. He's he's proven himself enough to me. Uh, I, I would be comfortable having him on my team saying that's a starter for me every week, and I can say that more about him than some of the other guys who I put just behind him. I just see mm -hmm. so much uncertainty in that offense. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, you're bringing in a rookie yeah. quarterback to start with. I, I don't know if I really trust Zach Taylor at this point because that team was so up and down last year, which, granted, he was given a pretty garbage squad. But at the same time, like, I don't know what he's going to do. So there's uncertainty there. You have A.J. Green coming back from his injury. You have Tyler Boyd, who is a great wide receiver. You're adding T. Higgins to that mix. And now I'm reading things about how Auden Tate has been the MVP of training camp. So you've got four wide receivers who all look like they should have a shot to be the star of that offense. And you've got Joe Burrow, who, if he is ad as advertised, is going to be slinging the ball. I mean, I don't know if Joe Mixon, I mean, he had his ups and his downs. His ups were very high. His downs were pretty low. I don't know what the heck Zach Taylor's going to do. So, like, while the town is there, I'm so uncertain about that offense. And then you add on top of that, this is a contract year for Joe Mixon. So is he yeah, going out there trying to prove himself buy. or are they going to hold him back trying to really explore what they have and all these other guys in T Higgins, Joe Burrow, Auden Tate, whatever else. Yeah. And 35 receptions. 
it's not yeah, a lot. Underwhelming. I think I think you could pick it up a bit though. You could. I worry about them holding on to Gio Bernard and Travion Williams though. You know. Yeah, and that really is the complaint. Is what is Giovanni Bernard? Is he still going to be somebody who rotates in? Right. I, I, right. And, and like, it's more he just steals touches for fantasy purposes. He's yeah. not good enough to start, but he'll steal enough touches for you to cuss at him while you're watching red zone on. They also have a pretty bad offensive line. So, I mean, as much as the talent may be there, you can only do so much with talent behind a, a pretty well, bad with the limited line off limited off season. Yeah. yeah. If you're getting smacked yeah. behind a bad offensive line, I mean, how many years have we watched that in Denver? Yep. Like you can have a great running back and they're just not going to produce because they're getting hit in the backfield all the time. Yeah. So, and if you're not in many leads, then you're not going to be running the ball as much. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm looking right now. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven weeks without going under 10 points. Dang. That's kind of rough, man. And then yeah. I think we all have ADP had Chubb next. Yep. I think we all kind of have Chubb next ourselves, basically. Um, man, so much to get into with Chubb. Um, I'm the highest on Chubb. Are you kidding me? I know. It's pretty crazy. You so these it, are all surprising me. This is crazy. You already know my thoughts on Kareem Hunt, so that should tell yeah. you how I feel That's about That's the Chubb only concern. That is the only That's concern. That's the only concern is that when Kareem Hunt came into the mix in Cleveland last year midseason, uh, they were both like RB22 and RB25, something like that. Um, not what you want for a guy that you'd be drafting in the top 10. If the Browns, though, realize that Nick Chubb is the engine that runs that offense, he'd be a top three running back. Exactly. The talent and, is and, all there. And I think that they will. I think that they will. And the, the only caveat being Kareem Hunt is still going to get touches. And and that's why he isn't, to me, um, you know, up up in that top five. You know, he, he, know. he sneaks back down in the bottom of that top ten for me. <sighs> He's very talented. And if you were just listing like the top five running backs in the NFL, I think I might oh, include sure, him in that sure, list. Right. I, I think I probably I'd include would. Saquon in that list if that's what we were doing. Is yeah. Just, oh, yeah. yeah. It, that offense, though, I, I think it, it, it has to take a step forward, right? It is too talented to not get any better, especially with another year of chemistry, especially with adding like Austin Hooper to the mix. How are they not better? That's kind of been the question about the Browns for a couple of years now, but... But it's a new coaching staff with no offseason. Uh, I know. I know. That's and that's crazy. why I haven't put him in here because he Kareem also, Hunt and because of that. He was given yeah. his opportunities in the red zone last year and he couldn't score either. Huh. So you got to hold that against him as well. I mean, he doesn't have that quote unquote nose for the end zone. Yeah. And if you look at the splits, when uh, Kareem Hunt came in, uh, what was that, after week eight? Yeah. I mean, he went from RB4 down to RB18, something mm. like that. I mean, yeah, I said Kareem 22, but 18th, yeah. Yeah, massive factor, man. That I mean, could also be partially Nick Chubb losing his legs late. You know, that's something we typically see with young running backs, especially in their first year, their rookie year, is that those last four or five weeks, they start to trend downhill. Yeah. You know, that was what? That was his second season? But do you still want a guy that's going to lose his legs late in the season when you're vying for the playoffs? That's do you true. want that guy? And that's why I haven't put him on the board yet. But yeah, I do think that him. odds are he's probably going to be that guy, I think, once it comes down to it late in the season. If the if the Browns really are in like the hunt for the playoffs, they're going to be giving him the ball a lot. And I think that, you know, it's good running backs get better. 
And I think hey, that that's man. something that gets forgotten. You know, there are a lot of guys who yeah. show up in the NFL and they have their rookie year and they show their flashes and they are that guy for two, three years. The really good running backs continue to get better, and I think that Nick Chubb is one of them. Kevin Stefanski offense, now their zone blocker. Yeah. They're going to feed him. If Kareem, if Kareem Hunt got hurt, though, it, here's why I would have him ranked where Dalvin Cook is ranked if Kareem Hunt was not on the team. wasn't just a handcuff, but he was actually in. Like, Dalvin Cook, I'm fine. I can draft him six overall, and then I'll draft Alexander Madison in the seventh round. I'm cool. These guys, they hurt each other to where it well, gives me more uncertainty to draft them in the top ten. They have Kareem Hunt like running routes with wide receivers, so I think there's standalone value for him within that portion of the offense. And I don't necessarily think that that. I mean, within that, like it can to like, warrant like can a flex have, spot. Yeah, Chubb, well, yeah. no, but my point is that it's not like wide. You're not looking at the wide receiver groups and how they're going to affect Chubb. So, like, if Kareem Hunt's being you know, brought in as a wide receiver, part of his value is coming from that, and it doesn't like it doesn't fully detract from Nick Chubb's value, With, but it does yeah. somewhat. With that group of receivers, though, I just can't see him making it on the field. You know, you have OBJ, you have Jarvis Landry; those are two your tight top ends two locked too. in. Yeah. Then behind that, they have a bunch more guys. People forget, you know, Rashad Higgins is still there. My guy well, Tony I mean, Brown. David My guy Tony Joku Brown is there. And Austin oh, Hooper. Oh, oh yeah, and those guys can flex out. You know, I, I think that Kareem Hunt is very talented. I think he could do it, and we might see it. No, I Kareem think when you Hunt, see it, it's going to be Kareem working Hunt's out of the backfield. Uh, I don't know. There, there's there's some concerns. I mean, it's the Browns. Of course, do, there are concerns. Let me see your rankings but, uh, again, guy. Do you not have Do you not have Chubb on here? Uh, not yet. Or no. do you not have Um, you did finally have Cook. Okay. Yeah, I put him at seven. I mean. His ADP is five, so I only dropped him two spots. It's not like that is like that shocking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Henry had dropped two as well to include Kenyon Drake and uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire up there. I got Josh Jacobs here, which again, I, I, I don't want to be pressed to say nice things about Raiders, so <laughs> please don't. Um, the so ADP who- right now has Sanders though. So, all right. I mean, look, you're the highest on Nick Chubb, right? I'm a little old lady walking through the store. Oh, this is a perfectly serviceable Sanders right here. Go ahead and sell me on Nick Chubb. Why should I be taking Nick Chubb over Sanders? Well, Sanders, you have similar concerns in that he's not going to be utilized in the the passing game, and you're going off of an even smaller sample size for Miles Sanders. And you're going after a guy who's not as naturally talented as Nick Chubb. That's the big difference here is Nick Chubb's a, a better running back with better size, and he presents more concerns. Miles Sanders, part of his value is what he could do in the receiving game. Well, they've got Boston Scott, who they still want to use heavily in that, and that takes away his value. Now, but Miles they still, Sanders they produced in tandem when they both played they in did. games. They were they still did. both when Miles Sanders good numbers together. They weren't detracting from each other's value. Once Jordan Howard left, <laughs> uh, Sanders got 19.8 touches per game and averaged 18.8 touches per game. That's pretty good. I mean, that would warrant him being ranked in this area. I don't buy the talent to where he'd be a top 10 running back. And I I wonder if that offense, if they know that what's best for them is to reproduce the Super Bowl offense and have Sanders be a Jai, basically, and just be a battering ram down the middle. Sanders, I think they get too cute. They try to use him too sh- Shady McCoy. And yeah, I just don't see it. But do any of us have Sanders in our top 10? No, but that one was the one that hurt me the most to leave him out. I think I think that Miles Sanders 
he's a really good running back and he's going to get a lot of opportunities in a good offense. Like, I, I think that, sure, there are the question marks at receiver. Who do they have outside of Sean Jackson? Yep. What even is Deshaun Jackson going into the season? Yeah, he was good last year, but he's, yeah, he's an old too. man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and what happens that to that as well? What happens to that offense when Carson Wentz inevitably gets injured halfway through the season? There's also that, well, I mean, they start giving the ball to Miles Sanders a lot. But, but I think that Miles Sanders, when you watch the film, let's, he pops. Let's just go to number 10 because I have him at 10. Okay. So we'll just put him in there real quick. Yeah, I mean, he he pops. He pops when he's on tape. Like, when you watch him, you see the explosiveness. You see why you want the ball in his hands. You see why he could be a good receiver. You see why he could run routes downfield and be successful. You know, there's still plenty that needs to be developed, but I, in terms of talent, he, he to me, the reason he isn't in my top 10 is because he hasn't proven it yet. Yes, and I think that there's exactly. a good chance what? that next year, next year he will be in my top 10. Yeah, he put up like 800 yards last year. Sure. I'm not drafting you in the first round because you put up 800 yards last year. Yep. I mean, I'm RB looking right 15. now. I'm seeing 20-point games. I see a 35-point game, like. RB15, 218 points. Does he get it done in the red zone is the other big question. Yeah. You know, only six touchdowns last year. Got to be more efficient than that to Three win a, a receiver. top 10 selection. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't. Uh, he wasn't uh, – was he starting full-time? Like, until – I don't think until not really. nine he was starting full-time. No, no, so he not really. really given – that chance until then so well, and that's mean, what i was saying with jordan howard you know yeah. once he left he's averaging almost 20 fantasy points per game you do that over a 16 game season you're you're looking golden you know and i think we all have themes mine are a little safer guy you've got your guys like hilaire and drake and uh jacobs and sanders where you're you're gambling a little but you're pro you're projecting that a jump will occur well for me safety is coming from the way like the offensive scheme and less about looking at their stats from right, right. Years. prior production. I'm looking at the situations yeah. that they're in and the talent that they have. So my safety is a little bit different than yours. But, yes, I do look a little bit more at the upside once I start to get towards the back end of this. But, I mean, I still have Henry up there. I still got Cook. I got – Sure, sure. I mean, there's a couple surprises. But, I mean, <laughs> you got Eckler at four. So, yeah. Arguments to be made either way, Past right? production, baby. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, no new names at the bottom of that top 10 there. So yeah. I think that means that we're done for the day. First show in what? the books. You guys can tune in every Tuesday, every Thursday going forward. Tuesdays at 8 o'clock. Thursdays. Have we? Do we know what time we're going to be on Thursday yet? No. But it won't be live. So. Oh, yeah, that's right. We aren't live on Thursday. That's right. So Tuesday nights at 8, unless there are sports like there are sports tonight. And then that kind of threw things off because the Nuggets guys were up here. We appreciate you all for listening. We're really excited to get this going, and we will see you again um, soon. Yeah. All right. Sounds good.